0: Father, speak to us this morning, I pray. And as you speak, give us ears that are able to hear your voice. Help us to understand your ways as you communicate with us this morning through your precious Word. Your Word declares that You have placed Your Word and magnified Your Word above Your name. You stand behind Your Word. So, Father, give us grace that as Isaiah declares, we may tremble at Your Word and take heed to Your commandments. We thank you this morning and we bless you for giving us such, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, please. I have decided to continue on the same message that I have preached last Sunday due to the fact that I wasn't able to finish all that I wanted to share with you. But for the benefit of those who perhaps were not here uh, last Sunday, I have mentioned last week while in prayer and contemplation that I was drawn to a particular passage of Scripture which caught my attention. the Spirit of God highlighted the importance of these very words that we will be reading in a moment as we begin our journey into this new year. As you know, this is the first Sunday of 2020. And I believe God the Father wanted to speak to us, align us, and communicate to us a very important message. I've added a few verses from the Scripture reading that we had last Sunday. We will be reading from Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7 through to 17. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, one of his most beloved and mature churches. And he says the following, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. In these verses that we've just read, Paul communicates his passion for Christ, his zeal for the Lord's work, and his determination to finish his race and complete his mission. That's what he's talking about. He then goes on to say, brethren, join in following my example. In other words, he's giving us an example, a pattern, by which to arrange and pattern our lives in Christ here on earth. He says, do what I do. You have me as an example. In another place, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He isn't just saying, follow me because I'm who I am. He says, follow me because I am following Christ. And I believe that at the very start of our journey together in this new year, I believe the Father wants to communicate to us a mature message for the mature believer. Would you say amen to that? Because he says, as many as are mature, let them adopt this way of thinking. So he's speaking to people who have reached a certain level of spiritual maturity in Christ Jesus. He's not talking to spiritual babes. He's talking to disciples. He's speaking to mature believers. And I believe the Father wants to admonish us in order to align our hearts and our minds with His and then set us on a course that will glorify His name and of course elevate us to a higher ground in order to pursue a goal that is of greater significance than any earthly goal. That's what He's endeavoring to do. And that's what the Father wants to do this morning. So we need to open our hearts and say, Lord, speak to me. Align my heart, my mind. Correct me where, I have, where I'm wrong. Admonish me. Because I want my life to mean something to You. I don't want to waste any time while I'm here on earth. And so he talks about pursuing a goal that of course is of greater significance, of greater importance than any earthly goal. And that is the goal of knowing Christ intimately. That's what he says, that I may know him That's what I'm pressing towards. I want to know Christ intimately. I want to experience the power of his resurrection. I want to also, he says, share in his sufferings. Wow. He's not shying away from the sufferings of Christ, but he wants to share in the same sufferings that Christ suffered. And very often, when we're going through life, we try to avoid suffering in the flesh. We try to get out of it, or somehow bypass it, or over it. But Paul didn't do that. He says, "I want to. I want to share an experience." the sufferings of Christ. Because if I don't, then I will not experience His resurrection power. And he's talking about suffering in the flesh. The Apostle Peter says, He who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, living the rest of his life in the will of God and not according to his selfish desires. You see, the crucifixion of the flesh comes through pain and suffering, and we cannot avoid that. And we live in a generation where comfort is pursued, where convenience and what is easy is is pursued and and longed for, but not Paul. He says, this is my goal, and my goal is to know Christ intimately, is to share in his sufferings, it's to experience also the power of his resurrection, and also becoming more and more Christ-like and pursuing the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here is a man who understands that God the Father placed a call on his life. And he did so long before he got here on the earth. He knows there is a divine call on his life. And I say this to you, that God the Father, through Christ his Son, placed a unique, individual call upon each and every one of our lives. And that very knowledge, that very revelation that I'm not here by accident, I'm here by divine purpose and divine assignment should, should galvanize, energize, and prioritize our pursuits in life until we finish our race and until we complete our mission. God wants you to know There is a call, a divine call on your life. And the more Christ-like we become, the more effective we are in completing our task. Amen? Paul said that as many of us that are mature, let us adopt this mindset. You see, your level of maturity will arrange your life accordingly, and your level of maturity will prioritize what is important to you, and instead of building on things that will pass away, most of your energy, your effort, your pursuits will be to build something that will never, ever pass away. And that's what Jesus said. He said, do not lay up treasures for yourselves here on earth, where moth and rust and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where there are no thieves to break in and steal. And how do we do that? By patterning our lives according to the will of God and according to the purpose of God by having a vision that goes beyond what is seen in the natural. The spiritually mature, Paul says, have adopted a certain mindset. And that mindset, that way of thinking, he says, it governs every sphere of their life and their activity here on earth. This is is the mindset they have adopted. They live with it every day. Now, what does this mindset look like? What are the characteristics or the qualities of this spiritually mature mindset? I believe these are people who are single-minded and determined. They're not double-minded. They're not here and there, up and down. They have one single mind, the mind of Christ. Amen? They are also determined. They wake up every single day, and they reach towards the goal. What goal? Becoming more and more Christ-like. And looking forward, he says, to those things which are ahead of them, and they move away from where they were yesterday. What a goal to have in life. I want to be more Christ-like. I want to know Him. And that costs. That's going to cost you. Amen. That's going to cost you. There's no such a thing as an easy road or an easy path. Jesus said so. They are also the, maturely, the, the, the spiritually mature. They are sold out to Jesus. They, they are utterly ruined, absolutely ruined, for the pleasures, the distractions, and of course the pursuits of this earthly life. They're so different from the, from the people of this world they radically different because they don't pursue the same goals. They don't love the same things. The psalmist said, Whom have I in the heavens, O Lord, but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire but you and you alone. They know they are called of God and they know They're not here by accident, but by divine appointment and by the wise planning of their God. And as Mordecai said to Esther, they know they have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. This is my time. This is your time. This is the time where God is calling you to step out of the shadows, into the light. The prophetic picture of the last days church is found in Isaiah chapter 60. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That is the prophetic picture of the church in the last days. He said darkness will cover the earth, and we see that. Wherever we look, anytime time we switch on the television, We hear the news of darkness, and gross darkness covers the people. Wars and rumors of wars, famine, fires, destruction. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory shall be seen in you, the Word says. It's our time to shine brighter than ever before. But it's not going to happen unless we what? arise. Arise means spring forth. Arise means wake up. Arise means step out of the shadows into the light. Amen. Now these mature, spiritually mature, they are aware that God the Father planned every detail of their lives. And I shared with you last Sunday how God knew you before you were even born. Amen. He said, sanctified you before you came out of your mother's womb. And He ordained a specific task or a mission or work, call it whatever you will, for you to do while you're here. Amen. The psalmist said, you, you, you saw me before I was born. Then he says, every day of my life was recorded in your book. And I mentioned this last week. God wrote a book about your life long before you got here. Amen. There are chapters in that book. There are seasons in God's timetable and calendar for your life to live those those moments, and to experience the presence of God, fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. There's a book written. And the only way you're going to get and see that book is by the revelation of the Spirit. For the Word says, God revealed those things to us. What things? The things which God has prepared for those who love Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Things that physically, your physical senses cannot perceive, cannot see, cannot hear, cannot touch or feel, because they are hidden in the realm of the Spirit. But God reveals those things to us, By His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And that is the reason God gave you His Spirit. For the Word says, we did not receive the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is from God. Why? Why did God give you His Spirit? So that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God, of which things we speak of. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual people. But then he says, the natural man or the carnal believer does not receive the things of the Spirit because they foolishness to them. Amen? So God prepared things works, assignments, exciting moments even for you and I this year that we may walk into it. I tell you, you get a glimpse of what God has prepared for you. It will cause your feet to dance with joy because God's plans are superior than yours and my dreams. God's ways are not our ways. He has a A better way, a higher road, highway for you and I to walk on. And we must discover it as we seek the Lord and walk in it by faith. Because that's the only way you're going to walk in it. And that is the only way you and I are going to accomplish it is by faith. That's why faith is so important. Amen. And because of this very fact... Paul goes on to say, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In one of his sentences, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Christ revealed Paul's purpose and plan for his life. At the beginning of his conversion. And he also showed him the things that he must suffer for Christ's sake. And he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He was not disobedient to the things God showed him that he must do. Even though those things incurred pain and suffering and persecution like you've never experienced or can imagine. Twice he was stoned, almost to death. I think once he died, literally, and he was raised up again. He was hated by his own people, rejected by the Jews, cast out of every city that he went to preach the gospel. He was abandoned, he was betrayed, he was forsaken, even by his closest companions. He talks about one of them, he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He understood the pain of betrayal. But none of those things, he says, do I consider them, nor do I count my life dear to myself. But this one thing, I want to finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to preach the gospel of the grace of God. No wonder the devil couldn't stop him. Death couldn't touch him. And death cannot touch you when you know your living purpose and when you pursue that purpose. Death cannot touch you until you finish your race. Hello. His focus was to complete his mission, finish his work the Father had given and assigned to him, and he was not casual in his quest. He was diligent. He was passionate. He was determined. And then he says, I press. (laughs) Anytime you obey God, you're going to experience opposition. You're going to experience pressure. Don't kid yourself. The devil is not going to lie down and play dead just because you decided to obey God and fulfill your calling. He's going to oppose you, he's going to persecute you, he's going to say ugly things about you. He will try to distract you, try everything in his power to stop you. If he cannot stop you from being born again, he will surely try to stop you from fulfilling your mission. And it's one thing coming to Christ, folks, but it's another fulfilling your God-given purpose. And that is far more difficult... For many have started the race well, but they didn't finish well. They have allowed destructions. They have allowed sin. They have allowed other things and the love for other things to crowd their minds and hearts. And they began to pursue the things of this present world. There came a day in this man's life when he was ready to leave this earth. And that was the day when he completed his journey and he finished his race. Listen to this man. Ah, These words so move my spirit. His passion for Christ and for life Puts us all to shame at times. When you see the lukewarmness of the church, the complacency, when you see that our relationship with Christ has just become a dry religion made up of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations and meetings. And I wonder sometimes if 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 we take all of these meetings away, what will we have? And then he says, on that day, I am ready being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. How did he know? I believe when you live so close to the Lord Jesus, when you follow him up closely, you will know when your race is finished. You will know when the mission is completed. And you will know when your day is at hand god does not want us to walk in darkness he says i am the light of the world and he who follows me shall have the light of the world and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness darkness signifies of ignorance And people who don't follow Jesus closely, they don't know where they're going, they don't know where they come from, they don't know why they're here. That is not a life, the way Christ came to give it to us. He came to give us life with purpose. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a testimony. I've run my race. And that's the dream. That's my passion. That's my desire. One day I will say to the Lord, Lord, I have fought the good fight. I didn't give up. I didn't give in. I didn't throw in the towel when things got tough. I have fought the good fight. I've finished my race. And I have kept the faith which you delivered to me. The day that I was born again. And then Paul goes on to say, there is, Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who loved His appearing. And His words remind me of the words of our Lord Jesus john 17 praying to the father he said father i have glorified you on the earth i have finished the work which you have given me to do god is not impressed how long we live methuselah lived about what 700 years but he accomplished nothing all the scripture says about him he said he lived so many years then he died but he's impressed how effective we live. He says, I finished the work. He finished his work at 33 years of age. Amen. And both Jesus and Paul completed the work the Father had given them to do. Just, and just like Jesus and Paul, the book of Hebrews speaks about how we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us they are right now on the grandstands and they're encouraging us they are urging us and they have finished the race well and they have completed the work which the lord had given them to do and they are now encouraging us he said run that race with perseverance, with patience. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and run your race with patience. And in doing so, this great cloud of witnesses, they gave us an example or a pattern as to how we should live our life here on the earth. They lived, they worked with clarity of purpose. As I share these things and I was preparing this message, the Spirit of God took me back a couple of years during the time of our pioneering efforts in Gypsum, Colorado. And while I was there in prayer, I think it was 2015, a couple, I, I saw, while in prayer, I saw a vision of a group of people who were praying out to God and crying out to Him, saying, Lord, take us further, Lord. Teach us. Enable us to grow and mature in the Spirit. I saw it clearly. And no one can convince me otherwise. I saw in the Spirit that this group of people were not getting fed spiritually where they were attending church. And they longed for more of God. And in answer to their prayer, God sent me there. And in the process of time, the house was filled with people who acknowledged their need to be taught to climb up the mountain of God's presence and to experience God in a greater measure than they have known Him. They testified through their own mouth. We have been stagnating where we were. We were not growing. There was no teaching, no mature teaching. All we were receiving is milk, milk, milk. That's what they said. And we started well. But in the process of time, listen carefully. As I laid out the word for them. And I began to teach them the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ and began to disciple them in the Word, they started to falter and find fault with the gathering. I could hear, you mean we have to pay tithes? No, you don't have to. But that's what the Bible says. I remember I introduced one of the teachings of John Bevere, undercover, talking about submission to authority. (laughs) They, They were looking for the door of exit. You know one thing about the Americans, thank God for America, thank God for its people, but they are people who love their independence. You start teaching about submission to authority and obedience, you will find that the crowd will thin out. As Andrew Womack said in one of his messages, he is a pastor that has a church of thousands. He said to him, give me your church for a couple of months and I'll reduce it down to a couple of hundred people. As the climb became difficult and uncomfortable in some ways, they forgot what they asked for in the first place and wanted to rather camp. Well, one by one, of course, they left our fellowship, except for one family who remained steadfast and faithful to the the call of God. The rest of them have gone back to where they were more comfortable. They went back to where there was no accountability, no strong teaching or preaching, and no climbing. Spiritual climbing is difficult, folks. Hello. And over the years I have observed people come with good intentions, Genuine desire to walk with God. But when the walk demanded sacrifice, self-denial, obedience in the least, they began to scatter and find the path of least resistance. A path that does not demand suffering, obedience, or sacrifice. And I'll tell you the honest truth. There are plenty of churches around who will oblige you with such a path. The question is, where will that path take you? (laughs) The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. My friends, there is no such a thing in the kingdom of God as an easy path. Listen to what Jesus said. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Not a few, many. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. I want to be counted among the few. Do you? Hello? Are you still with me, church? Where are you on this journey of obedience? Is your conscience clear that you have obeyed God so far? That you've walked in the light that you have received? Because God is not going to give us any more light unless we walk in the light that we first received. Amen? Have you had a revelation of what was in God's mind when He thought of you, when He planned your life, when He put you here, and He gave you gifts and talents and grace to fulfill those assignments? The Word of God says, we are God's masterpiece, created us in you in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good works He planned for us long ago. Wow. Amen. Believers often ask me, and I'm closing with this, be patient with me, please. How can I discover God's purpose for my life? How can I know if I am walking in God's will and doing what God wants me to do? Well, the only way to answer those questions is by the revelation of His Spirit. And the only way for us to get it is through the Spirit of God. And He, listen, He's more than willing to reveal it to you and me, if we are serious enough to ask Him with all of our heart, and seek Him with all of our heart. Then He will show it to us. I mean, that's what He promised. Jeremiah 29 He says, I know the thoughts, I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When? When you search for me with all of your heart. There it is. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find The path that God has ordained for you. Knock and the door of opportunity will be open to you. But you're going to have to ask, you're going to have to seek, and you're going to have to knock. There's no passivity there. There's no just cruising along. This signifies of pursuing God, seeking Him in prayer, through fasting, through the reading, the studying of His Word. Amen. I want to read a portion from Henry D. Blackaby's uh, devotions. When I read this, it just caught my attention. Listen to what he says, and I quote, People dream up the greatest and most satisfying things in which they can invest their lives. And institutions establish goals and objectives and then organize themselves to achieve them. But God's people function in a radically different way. Christians arrange their lives based on the revelation of God, regardless of whether it makes sense to them. God does not ask for our opinion about what is best for our future, our family, our church, or our country. He already knows. What God wants is to get the attention of His people and reveal to us what is on His heart and what is His will. For God's ways are not our ways. And whenever people do not base their lives on God's revelation, they cast off restraint. That is, they do what is right in their own eyes. They set their goals, arrange their agendas, and then pray for God's blessing. Some Christians are living far outside the will of God, yet they have the audacity to pray and ask God to bless their efforts. The only way for you to know God's will is for Him to reveal it to you. You will never discover it on your own. When you hear from the Father, you have an immediate agenda for your life. Obedience. As the writer of Proverbs observed, happy is he who keeps the law. End of quote. So as we embark on journeying this new year together, let us make it our priority, folks. That we will live by the revelation of God rather than by reason or logic. Let us seek the Lord diligently and ask Him to show us His path, His plan, His ways, and His purpose. Now, He may not say anything new, but His answer may come by giving us peace. That's one of the ways that God speaks to us. Peace. You have peace which passes all understanding. And one thing we need to remember is that God does not give you the whole picture all at once. He reveals it step by step, enough for you to know what your next steps are. You know, many years ago up in Johannesburg when I didn't know where to go, coming out of Zimbabwe one morning I went to the Lord so frustrated, and I said, Lord, why are you being so difficult? Why can't you give me the plan ten years down the road that I would know exactly where to go, what to do, how to go about doing it? Why are you being so difficult and not showing me this? Ten years down the road. You know (laughs) what? You know, I sense the Lord smiling. And then he said, this is what he said to me. He said, if I do this for you, son, you will run off in your own strength without ever waiting on me without seeing the importance of fellowshipping with me in the Word and in prayer, and you will end up making a mess. Amen. Scripture says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. You know, the light of the lamp is just enough for you to know where to put your next few steps. And that is how God leads us. Amen. He's not going to give you the whole picture but He's going to give you a little light so that you may know where to put your foot next. And if you're obedient to that, He will give you more. Amen. Some of us are stuck in one place. And if you go back and check, somewhere we have not been faithful or obedient to the, to the Word He's given us, and we're looking for new words. No, God is not going to give you anything new going to take you back to where he gave you that first word and he said, what about this? Amen? Praise God. Let's stand in closing prayer, please. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you that you do not leave us in the dark, but you've given us your word, and your word declares that the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Father, may we pursue your paths. May we seek your face diligently and by your grace help us to know and understand your ways. Not just as individuals, Lord, but as a fellowship. Help us to realize and understand what we do affects others, either in a positive or in a negative way. And teach us to walk in obedience. For as the hymn says, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus, but only trust and obey. Amen Amen and amen.